Hello, and welcome to Yuki Life Abroad. My name is Andre, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Alexa, Brianna, and Nathan. President Zelensky has been named alongside 37 other Ukrainians in the recent Pandora Papers leak, which has highlighted individuals with significant offshore holdings or wealth. This week, we explore the extent of Ukrainian involvement and the impact this scandal will have on his presidency. This and more on Zakhrdonia Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. As some of you may have heard, in recent weeks, there's been a lot of uh, articles published about the so-called Pandora Papers, and we thought we would dive into them as well. So what are the Pandora Papers? Have you guys heard about them? Yes, I have, but more from an American perspective. Uh, same here as well. Yeah, so the, what the Pandora Papers are is if you guys have heard of the Panama Papers or the Paradise Papers, basically it's in the same line. It's a massive leak of financial documents. So this time around, the, it was 11.9 million leaked documents, which amounted to about 2.9 terabytes of data, which were obtained by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and were first published on the 3rd of October 2021. So these leaks are now the largest um, exposure of secret off- offshore accounts, and they've shined even more light than the previous ones have done. So in this set of documents, 35 world leaders, including current and former presidents, prime ministers, and heads of state were listed, as well as over 100 billionaires and celebrities were shown to be using offshore uh, companies to minimize their tax in their countries. And for example, former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair was implicated in this. The current or the former Czech Prime Minister was implicated in it. And of course, other various world leaders, including the Jordanian royal family and the president of Azerbaijan. Now, this brings us to Ukraine and its connections to the Pandora Papers. And Guess how many Ukrainian individuals were listed in the Pandora Papers? Mm, five? <laughs> <laughs> A I'm little more. I'm like 30 or so. 30 38. 38 individuals were listed and Ukraine had the most amount of nationals described in the paper. In these papers, Russia was a close second. <laughs> so we're, um, we're in great company. And uh, this was an international collaboration with journalists from multiple organizations across multiple nations. And I think, Andrei, we can you can dive a bit deeper into how President Zelensky, who was meant to be Ukraine's fighter of oligarchs, is now tied up with shady offshore dealings. Yeah, so... There was a documentary that I watched not too long ago, and it's called uh, Offshore 95, which is a play on words for Zelensky's uh, comedy company that he used to own, um, Quartal 95, or just Block 95, as it would have been in English. So, in this documentary, it talks about how when Zelensky was becoming and it was running in the presidential election, and also during his presidential term as well, it looks into Zelensky's business companies that he's that he was in control is related to, and how he has these connections to other people as well. 
So one of the companies was, I believe, called Maltex, and he had a 25% stake between him and three other people. One of them was Shafir, who is the presidential advisor, and another one was Ivan Bakanov, I believe it was, and who is the head of the Ukrainian Secret Service. And there's a fourth one as well. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. And the three of them had a, sorry, the four of them had a 25% stake in this company. So does Zelensky still have ties to this company at the moment, Andre, or has he gotten rid of it since becoming president? Since then, he's actually given his shareholding, his stake to the other members. And the interesting thing here was that um, in one of the documents that was signed, he merely stated that he had transferred the ownership of the stake rather than actually being paid for his for his stake instead, which was not what someone would regularly do, but it wasn't unusual for it to happen. But uh, later on in the documentary, it does mention in uh, Maltex that all the stakeholders and other individuals would be paid dividends. And this is after Zelensky had already transferred his uh, stake in the shareholder. And in this document, it pretty much mentioned that Zelensky would be also receiving dividends, even though he legally wasn't allowed to obtain these dividends since he didn't own a stake in the company anymore. Now, Mm. through these companies as well, he also has connections to Kolomoisky as well. So I believe one of the companies is called SVT Films, which is split between an unknown company that isn't really known and Maltex. Looking at this, it's kind of interesting because... They're trying to obviously hide who the real owners are uh, from the company that's actually unknown. So what you're saying is, is um, through these um, offshore companies, Zelensky was able to obtain funding directly from Kolomoisky and avoid declaring it to the Ukrainian public? Yeah, so uh, through these offshore companies, um, Kolomoisky was able to pay... Zelensky and the other shareholders, a total of $40 million. And it was written off as contribution to capital because since Devenosta Piati Quartal or 95 Quartal is owned by Odemposoden, which is owned by Ihor Kolomoisky. So with this $40 million, Nathan, what do you think this res, uh, this relationship between Zelensky and Kolomoisky is to Ukraine, really? Yeah, so when thinking about, you know, um, Zelensky's whole position, it right, right away from the start, it kind of seemed strange that he was, you know, very close to Kolomoisky, given the fact that Kolomoisky is such a controversial figure in Ukraine. I mean, the, the bill that was aimed to kind of, uh, curb the influence of oligarchs in Ukraine was nicknamed the the anti-Kolomoisky bill. I mean, that's how much um, say notoriety he has uh, in the country. So that was already a we can say kind of a, a like a thorn in the side of his campaign, given the fact that his whole campaign was 
based around the fact that uh, he was a popularist and he was an outsider of politics and that he was his whole message was that he, he was going to get in there and clean up this corrupt, corrupt system. Um, so that's really caused um, a lot of problems. Now, uh, for those who don't know, the relationship between Kolomoisky is and Zelensky is the fact that uh, it goes back to uh, how Kolomoisky owns the TV station uh, Odempos Den, which uh, Zelensky's show was aired on. Now, uh, the Guardian reported, uh, since entering politics, Zelensky has been dog dogged by claims he is under the influence of Ihod Kolomoisky, a billionaire whose TV channel screens Zelensky's show. During the campaign, Zelensky's opponents alleged $41 million from Kolomoisky's ent entities found its way between 2012 and 2016 in offshore firms belonging to Zelensky and his circle, including uh, film heritage. So it seems as though he was uh, in the pocket of Kolomoisky this entire time and that the messaging he had around his campaign was kind of just, you know, uh, all for show as a way to just kind of, yeah, to gain power. So despite all of this, um, the Pandora Papers have now revealed more about how he was not just uh, working, we can say, on behalf of Kolomoisky, but rather he was personally involved in the offshore holding of money, uh, which goes, like I said, it goes against the position that helped to bring him to power. So the Guardian also reported, and this is where it gets very interesting when it comes to Zelensky's own words. The Guardian reported that in a recent opinion piece from the Atlantic for the Atlantic Council, Zelensky said his ultimate goal as president was to destroy the traditional oligarchic order and to replace it with a fairer system. Critics, however, say Zelensky has failed to reform the state and embrace the same shadowy ways as his predecessors. EU auditors warned last month that grand corruption and state capture remained widespread in Ukraine. So this opinion piece that they're talking about for the Atlantic Council, I actually uh, had a read through it and I pulled this um, part out of it, which I thought was interesting. This is, in, this is Zelensky's own words. He says, since the 1990s, a small handful of Ukrainians have dominated the economic and political life of the country. We all know the names of these people. They feature in annual lists of the richest Ukrainians, which remain virtually unchanged from year to year. The rest of the country has little choice but to adapt to the reality created by this oligarch class, which distributes Ukraine's political, financial, industrial and media resources among themselves. Ukraine's unelected elite has rigged the system and established a set of rules designed to perpetuate the current status quo indefinitely. Most Ukrainians oppose this inbuilt inequality. Their dissatisfaction found expression in the 2019 presidential election, which, which saw one of Ukraine's oligarchs defeated by a landslide. This presidential vote sends an emphatic message that Ukrainian society wants fundamental change. So we get a clear indication there that he was you know, vehemently opposed to the amount of power that oligarchs have, uh, political, financial, industrial, and in the media itself. And he was saying, you know, oh, well, the 2019 election is a clear indication that Ukrainians are, you know, dissatisfied with this, you know, structure. So we, we're, we're going to undo it. And it seems as though, you know, he hasn't. And he was part of that structure. Um, like it said, going back 2012 um, with Kolomoisky. And once he's gotten in power, it looks as if he's now, you know, just part of it. And it's business as usual, um, which is is a real shame because there was a 
poll done by Union that said that a total of 78% of Ukrainians do not trust state agencies and officials. And that one, that, um, that poll was done back in 2020. And I think that the effects we're going to see from this is that that number is actually going to rise because this really further damages the Ukrainian people's trust and confidence in the government, despite how little, you know, <laughs> confidence was there to begin with. And um, from a political standpoint, and um, this is the part I'm going to ask you guys, I'm wondering what the reaction is going to be from other politicians in the um, in the Rada, because I know, Alexa, in the past uh, we've talked about how, uh, you know, new Ukrainian um, political parties can pop up uh, really quickly. So I'm wondering if there'll be a situation where they'll side with Zelensky in a way to you know, try and deny what's happening in the Pandora Papers or whether they will condemn him as a way to kind of try to save the party or possibly the third option, this is the one I'm kind of suspecting, is that we might see some members of the party leave and try to form their own new parties as a way to stay in power but not be connected to Zelensky's um, you know, tainted name. So I'm not sure what do you guys think is going to be the fallout as a result of this? So it's been quite interesting to see the reaction in Ukraine. So on the opposition TV channels, the Pandora papers have made quite big splashes in what's happened in like their talk shows and like the political analysis. But on the TV channels more loyal to Zelensky and Kolomoisky particularly, the Pandora Papers have been minimized as much as they can be. And so I feel that in Parliament, it might not be enough to damage Zelensky's standings, but I feel that it will just further um, strengthen the divides within the Servant of the People Party. And maybe in the next coming months, um, the party might fracture enough that Zelensky will lose his control over parliament, which will then hopefully strengthen Ukraine's democracy. Um, Brianna, do you reckon this will affect his polling numbers with the people? Like they've been sliding slowly from his high of 73% and are sort of hovering at 30%. Do you reckon they could collapse further or no? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if I was someone that was... Uh, who voted for Zelensky because I believe that he had the power to, you know, topple the oligarchy like he promised. And then, you know, he comes around and says, or it's revealed that, you know, he's been funneling money into offshore accounts and doing shady stuff. Like a hundred percent, I'd be, I'd be gutted. I'd, yeah. Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with Brianna, although not to uh, like such an extent, because. I believe that a lot of the, because a lot of the news companies are owned by oligarchs and uh, there will be to some extent uh, the truth of the Pandora Papers being hidden or being misrepresented. Uh, I believe that there will be some, uh, some voters that will disagree with Zelensky and will turn away from him while others will still simply like will still latch onto him still believing that he's uh, a goody two shoes and he's better than the system 
Yeah, I'd 100% agree with you, Andre, because, I mean, we saw when the, the Panama Papers <laughs> were released um, all those years ago, in countries like America, we've now seen that that had a very small uh, impact when it came to um, actual change that was implemented in the country to the point now where um, a lot of other you know, businesses or, you know, in some cases, drug traffickers are using America as a form of a tax haven, given their relaxed uh, tax laws there. So media plays a massive role in this because it has the ability to change the, the public perception, which then minimizes the amount of political pressure that is placed on to politicians in countries that are more democratic, like America. And, you know, a perfect example of that is a... Um, a um, well-known belief in Washington that if you give campaign contributions to a politician, whether it's directly to their campaign or whether it's to, uh, to like independent expenditures, which is like a super PAC, which is essentially a corporation that is separate from the campaign that just um, does advertising on behalf of that political candidate, that company can collect as much money as they want from any other special interest groups. And there's the belief in Washington that that has no impact whatsoever on that politician or whatever they might vote for, which is quite obviously a legal form of bribery. So if in a country like America, the media fails to call out bribery in that form, then I'm sure in countries like Ukraine, where, you know, we have media empires essentially that are owned by the oligarchs themselves, I see that there's going to be little impact of, or actually, the, I'm going to see there'll be little impact that the media can have, given the fact that the people that are named in the papers are the ones that own it. So, you know, whether or not it actually, you know, changes the minds of the actual voters was, is a bit of a different story. But from the top-down perspective, I don't think there's going to be any any basically negative consequences within the radar itself unless it's politicians that are that risk fracturing the party and i think you're right there nathan i think what this will do is just further strengthen zelensky's core group that he surrounded himself with because they're all named like the head of the espo who was his best friend from childhood um his first aide and the presidential administration is named in it and these are all individuals that zelensky relies on to maintain his political power and his regime and i think this will just further strengthen their bonds together and um yeah his yeah all he'll have to do now is just make sure that he maintains enough control over the deputies and we saw that zelensky can't handle people being defiant towards him in that they fired the former speaker of parliament because he started having too many of his own opinions so i think we're going to see a lot more of that to come of Zelensky trying to control more and more positions of power by people who are loyal to him and yes men. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm positive, like I said earlier, that there will be some who leave, whether to start their own parties, whether it's because they're principled and they don't believe in Zelensky. I definitely think, you know, um, and we'll see what happens, um, but I'm sure that there will be some that are going to leave. But that core group around Zelensky will just reinforce the position that, no, what he did was fine. What he did was, you know, how everything works in the country and it will just, you know, kind of embolden the, the, that oligarchic system to just continue. 
Do you reckon this opens the door for another candidate like Zelensky at the next elections to come out and again claim to not be tied to the oligarchs and, you know, try and win on a populist agenda? Or do you think people will turn back to the more nation-building parties after such brazen populism? Uh, I think there will be another candidate just like Zelensky in 2019. Mainly Yeah, so how Zelensky was in 2019, um, there will be another one just like him uh, running in the next, uh, in the 2024 election. Mainly because there will be a, uh, a lot of the younger voters and Zelensky's demographic that will have realized that Zelensky isn't what he believed in and they still might be a bit naive and choose another populist president again. Um, so when I think about, um, you know, whether a populist will rise again, I constantly think of uh, Donald Trump. And I think of the fact that there were people in the country who would say, and you can watch interviews of people from back in the 2016 election who will say, yes, I know he does this and I know he says these things and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but they were just vehemently opposed to the establishment and the order of things and the status quo that Hillary Clinton represented that they went with Donald Trump. Now, four years later, obviously, those people realized that was a bad idea and um, then decided to vote, um, get him out of office. Um, but it definitely showed that the there are certain issues in a country that can inspire people to vote um, in many different ways. And in Ukraine, it seems as though corruption, because it is a massive, not so much a unique issue to Ukraine itself, but it is a problem that is definitely causing um, a lack of development in other areas of the country. So given the fact that that's what the Ukrainian people want, they want that system to change, that can inspire them to vote for any candidate, whether they are legitimately going to fight against it or illegitimately going to fight against it, like Zelensky did. The biggest concern I have is that there will be a pro-Russian candidate who will say that they are against um, the oligarchs. They will go out there and they will say that they want to uh, clean up the corruption. They'll put a pro-Russian president in power and they'll do the same thing that Zelensky did. They'll keep the, um, the oligarch system going but then they'll move the country in terms of social issues closer to Russia and then economic issues closer to Russia. So I think that it's it's such a big issue that it might inspire people to vote for a pro-Russian candidate. I think the pro-Russian electorate in Ukraine is too marginalised now. And even though they campaign on some of these issues, I think the overwhelming majority of Ukraine has moved past that and is either pro-Ukrainian or populist now. So I think someone openly pro-Russian wouldn't be able to win. So it would have to either be another individual like Zelensky, who is either neutral in their position towards Ukraine or, um, you know, at least openly nationalistic to win an election in Ukraine. But otherwise, I think you're correct. I think there is a strong chance that another populist candidate can come forward and try and sweep the stakes. However, I feel that maybe Zelensky and the whole experiment 
with giving one person so much power in Ukraine's political system might be enough to turn people off populism for a while and return to more traditional uh, parties in Ukraine that are more pro-European and reform, even though the reform will take years at least will be a more consistent process. I hope you're right. And I hope that <laughs> as much as I think it might happen, I, I definitely hope that I'm wrong in that regard. So if we compare how Zelensky is now to what he originally proposed and who he pretty much based um, his presidential term of his uh, character from his TV show, Slohan Rodo, or Servant of the People. Now, in this TV show, uh, the main character, uh, portrayed by Volodymyr Zelensky, is a history teacher in high school. And uh, during a, a rant that he has with one of the fellow teachers, a student films him recording how he is dis uh, dissatisfied with the system and that... Um, the president should try and live on a teacher's salary while the teacher try, uh, will live luxuriously on a president's salary. And that um, all these benefits that the president gets and their uh, dacha or summer home is taken away for, from them, how they react. And from this one video um, upl being uploaded onto YouTube, his political career pretty much shoots up and um, from this, he decides to run for uh, the presidential election and miraculously, he easily uh, wins the election. So, during uh, over the course of the series, he works with um, friends from childhood or uh, from his neighborhood and stuff and uh, they try and uh, clean up the system and hopefully try and remove any corruption or uh, any dodgy dealings that the previous Ukrainian government was were doing. And with this, um, there is a theory that um, since this show came out in 2015, uh, around that time uh, when Ukraine's post uh, Maidan government had just started, um, it was believed that the whole point of Slohan Rodo was for the next presidential election. Um, a populist could easily win the, uh, win the election and overcome the, the challenges that the previous governments haven't been able to do. And in an interview with Kolomoisky, he believed that Zelensky uh, would run in the presidential election since 2015, and it was only confirmed to him uh, in 2017 that Zelensky would be running for an election. So a lot of people believe that this has been planned from the very start, and um, it wasn't just a spur of the moment. Yeah, and um, even when Zelensky was elected president, various leaders in Europe what, uh, had to watch snippets of Servant of the People to be able to at least figure out what Zelensky's political leanings were as 
no one had ever heard of him before or his political opinions. In the news this week, low-cost carrier Wizz Air has announced multiple new routes from December out of its current hubs in Kyiv, Lviv, Odessa and Kharkiv. The airline will now fly to Paris, London, Brussels, Madrid, Athens, Nice and many more cities. The 23rd EU-Ukraine summit concluded last week, reaffirming its support of the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. The EU restated its intentions to strengthen Ukraine's political association and economic integration and committed another 600 million euros in financial assistance. Ukraine's Prosecutor General has submitted new charges against Ukrainian oligarch Viktor Medvedchuk. According to the charges, it is alleged that in 2015, Medvedchuk persuaded the leadership of Ukraine to purchase coal directly from the Russian-controlled territories in Donbass. Around 200 million hryvnia were transferred under the scheme. Prosecutors will ask the court to place Medvedchuk in pre-trial detention or have bail set at 1 billion hryvnia, around 38 million US dollars. Ukrainian cinematographer Helena Hutchins has died in hospital after being critically injured by an accident involving a prop gun being fired by Alec Baldwin, whilst on the set of a new film in New Mexico. Born in Ukraine, Helena had initially trained as a journalist and spent time in Europe working on British documentaries before making the move to Los Angeles, where she had established her career and had begun a stellar rise within Hollywood circles. Last week, on the Day of Defenders, President Zelensky honoured the memory of all those who had fallen for Ukraine. The location of the ceremony, the Wall of Remembrance on the Hyluska Square in Kiev, contains almost 4,500 portraits of fallen Ukrainian heroes from the war in Donbass. Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more Ukulef Broad content.